Welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast. We're on episode number 23, and in today's episode, I am joined by Matthew Parry. Matthew is the founder of The Good Chris Company. When Matt was based in Adelaide, he saw an opportunity to create a range of crisps which tick several health banners. After pushing hard into several retailers over here, he found some success but felt he could go even bigger if he was in the US market. With a great product and an even greater vision, Matt uprooted his whole family and has moved to Colorado to build his empire over there. In today's episode, we talk about the difference between the US and Australian grocery market. We go into Matt's journey a little bit more and how it has landed him in Walmart and Whole Foods. Matt also drops just some great knowledge bombs, which all brands and businesses should take on board when dealing with Australia and the US market. And we also discuss how Amazon has played a great role within the grocery space. Let me know what you think of this episode. As always, please leave a review and enjoy episode number 23. Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Matt, thank you very much for being on the podcast. And uh, I was going to say good morning, but it's uh, it's good afternoon in the, the sunny part of the world that you're in. And is it Colorado, if I'm right? That, that's right. Yeah, just outside of Boulder here. So yeah, as I said, beautiful sunny afternoon here, uh, as opposed to what's probably a cold morning in Melbourne, is it? It is. It's 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 like being back home in Manchester. It's one of those grey skies drizzle, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm just warming up. So it's, it's after after this podcast, it's time to get a cup of tea and crack on with the day. But <laughs> absolute absolute pleasure for you to be a, a guest on the show and. Uh, You've got a you've got a fantastic story to tell. It it even includes moving from uh, Australia to uh, the US, which all all in the name of trying to grow your brand. Um, would would you like to just let everyone know who you are and kind of the the brand that you represent? Definitely, and thank thank you for having me, Ben. So yeah, the the brand or my, my business is the Good Crisp Company. Uh, essentially, we are a better for you canister chip, a, a healthier alternative to Pringles. We're gluten-free, non-GMO, natural ingredients, all of those things. Um, and we're sold yeah, here in the US and, and a few other places in, in the world. Fantastic. And I'm, I'm going to start off. Where, what, what's your background and where did, where did you get the idea to go, you know what, I'm going to start a, a crisp company? Where, 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 where did this all begin? <laughs> yeah, so... I'm, a, I'm an Adelaide boy, um, and you know, up until I moved here, sort of had hadn't lived elsewhere. So, grew up in Adelaide, did my mm. marketing degree there in, in Adelaide, and I basically stepped into a, a job that I had for 13 years before I, I started uh, th- this business. So, and that job was basically a we're an importer and a distributor of of healthier brands okay. into the Australian market and the Adelaide market. So, we did various things. So, we would have our brands in Coles and Woolies and, and places like that. Um, and then we would also, we had a buy and sell business where, you know, other brands would would be in, in Melbourne or Sydney, but want to get into the Adelaide market. We had a really, really strong natural uh, grocery scene, you know, with, with the food lands and, and that's some of the best stores yeah. in the world. Um, so people wanted to get in there through the direct model. So we would buy it and, and sell it out there. So sort of, as I said, for, for 13 years there, did, did all manner of, of, different areas, whether it was working with Coles, Woolies, Audi, Costco, school canteens, independents, 
uh, you name it, sort of yeah, okay. buying other people's brands, representing it and, and selling it into the retail space there in Australia. Wow. So you got a good idea of kind of yeah, the footprint of retail and the the forms to fill out and the hurdles to jump over and then <laughs> most and, definitely. And then where did where did you see the opportunity to to start your own business and why did you go into the crisp industry, to be honest? Yeah. So it was around two thousand and fourteen really. We were sort of our the company that I was a part of in, in Adelaide was around thirty years old and we're thinking mm you know, what, what are we going to do for the next 30 years? How are we going to sort of do this? We, we've been importing and selling other people's brands and it was this idea, well, why can't we do one of our own brands and, and okay. do that? So that's sort of where the idea started from. Um, I came over to the US uh, to Expo West, which many of your listeners might know yeah, in, in yeah, Anaheim. Great. Um, I think you've been there yourself, Ben. So Loved massive it, yeah. show, just, just wanted to have a wander around and a look around. And that's where I saw, um, certainly back then as well, the really strong growth of healthy alternatives to mainstream snacks. Um, so things like Justin's peanut butter or yeah, okay. you know, late July sort of a healthier version of Doritos and things like <laughs> that. And these were $100 million brands in themselves, but they were just a healthy alternative to something that was already out there. Um, so that really got me thinking about may- maybe we could do that that at our end, you know, and, and we had been working with a fantastic manufacturer um, in Malaysia and, and selling their brand, and I knew they could make um, amazing stack chips, canister yep. chips. There's only a, a handful of people in the world that can that can do that. So to yeah, have that sort of <laughs> knowledge of, of one of those ones was, was a real sort of edge for us. But then the more I thought about it, and, and I, at the time I was on a fairly strict FODMAP diet as well and gluten-free, and mm-hmm. I have three young three young kids, three girls, and, and, and that always changes how you want to – um, feed and what you want to give them. So it was this idea of I'd love to take a, a you know a canister chip and, and make that healthy and, and strip out all of those nasty stuff and keep the flavour and the form and everything um, from there. So that was sort of the genesis of the whole thing and took a couple of years to to get it up and up and running. But yeah. it was just sort of yeah w- wanting to sort of do something different and in, in my own brand and then this this idea that that maybe there's healthy alternatives to to what we see that already works um, but but isn't available. Um, in mainstream that's fantastic so you set up your company in australia and then you got um, you got traction in australia but then you made the decision to to move to the u.s to grow the business and not even just move your brand over there you you you, you moved your whole family <laughs> all, all, all for the love of the crisps was it <laughs> that's and i mean it was a this is something i've been working on for, for many many years so it's just yeah. sort of those you know, step by step, sort of, you find yourself doing these things. But, um, you know, because the idea had come from the US and I'd seen the US and, and, you know, you go to those amazing stores like Whole Foods and things like that and, and you really see that that uh, natural food industry that, that's over here that, that we don't have so much. If um, It's more of an integrated industry in, mm. in Australia. So we thought, well, you know, can we launch in, in both countries? And, and so, you know, I worked a lot of trips back and forth to the US and meeting with buyers and, and industry experts to make sure that we had all the right certifications, the flavorings were right, the, the branding was right for the US yep. at the same time as sort of working it here in, in the Australian market. And to be frank, what we found is is we actually gained quicker and more traction in the US than, than we did here in Australia. Wow. Um, as you know, Ben, there's, there's only a couple of big players in australia you can present it and and yep. if they're not interested 
it's sort of to some degree, it really um, stools what, what you can actually do. Um, and so the Australian retailers were a little more hesitant on it. Um, and so I was like, well, we're going to have to spend quite a few years, you know, going to the independents, going to route trade, looking for all these other alternative channels. Yep. Um, whilst, you know, in the US we were picking up, you know, a chain with 100 stores would ring up, hey, I like your product, or, you know, another 100 stores, another 100 stores here, and, wow. and it just started to grow. And when you're looking at, you know, a population of 25 million versus 250 million or over 300 yeah. million, um, if that one's taking off, that starts to then suck a lot of the resources and time to do that than, than um, the Australian one. So we do, we still do sell in Australia. We're on, you know, all of the airlines in Australia. We're in 7-Eleven. We're in other sort of places. But, you know, it has taken a little while to build that groundswell over, over in the, um, Australia versus here in the U.S. That's fantastic. Because I just know from the two occasions that I've, I've been to Expo West and did kind of a retail safari and the amount of stores that you, you've got to choose from and all have different personalities and different consumers and um, some are on the low end, some are on the high end. But yeah, you, you just go down any street and that's only in one kind of small state. Well, not in, in one state. And then it. it every different state has different retailers so what a what a brave and bold move that you did and uh and i'm guessing it's paying off and i'm guessing the business is growing um in the way you'd like it is i mean it's, it's hard work of course yeah. but i mean we this this year alone we were very fortunate we launched nationally with walmart and nationally with whole Foods. so wow. two very different customers but you know, they've really seen the appeal of our products. So we're in now over 8,000 grocery stores here um, in the US. And, and yet it's only, you know, to your point, we've only literally scratched the surface and, and there's a lot more to go. But um, I think one of the things that we were fortunate with is because of our form and, and the product that we have, you know, this whole whole industry, there's, there's I think from last count, you know, call it eight to 10,000 natural stores here in the US that are very strict on, on what they carry. So they have a list of banned ingredients. They won't carry anything with MSG, anything with, you know, high fructose corn syrup, anything yeah. with, you know, any of that stuff. So we, we were the only canister chip in, in these stores. They wouldn't carry Pringles. They wouldn't carry any other. So they've been asking for a product like us and wow. we could get into a few thousand stores and be the only canister chip. So it was able to grow a strong base there in that natural channel before we started, you know, like the, the – walmart and those sort of more conventional retailers were interested but we had a base there that that we just couldn't get traction with in, in australia so once some of those bigger opportunities came up it sort of was okay you know we're going to commit to this are we serious and and um my my wife and family were very accommodating and yeah. decided to make the move to, wow. to over here to focus on growing it and uh, has your family responded well to to the move is because i'm guessing uh, if you if you've got a happy family life i know what it's like in my household if you if you've got a happy family it makes makes the rest of the day uh, a lot smoother it, it, it definitely does and look there's good and bad days I, you know i won't lie yeah. it wasn't the the easiest thing you know just picking yeah. up and moving everything over um but we you know we're now seven months in and and feeling a bit more settled and that i mean the kids are you know they'll be like okay that was fun can we go home now so <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> not quite like that uh, no go and play on your bike <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly just like you have a lolly yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah but you know we're getting used to it and and um we're really enjoying it. it's a really great adventure so it's a good fun 
Fantastic. And it, it was pretty funny because we, we've been in contact for probably probably known each other for about a year. We've been uh, liking each other's posts and I've been yeah. watching, watching your stories grow. And it, I was doing some research in the snacking industry and it, I, I keep seeing your product appear in the top 100 of Amazon uh, snacking options and in all the different formats and in all the different flavors. Uh, how how are you responding as a business to Amazon's growth and uh, kind of the scope that they deliver over retailers? So Amazon is just, it, it's massive, especially for food. I mean, it, obviously it's massive everywhere, but I know food struggled a bit in, in Australia, mm-hmm. but, but here it's it's been really well um, received. So it's definitely an area um, that we're starting to focus on. We haven't done a lot on it up to date because we've just been chasing our tail with brick and mortar and, and doing yeah. all of that. But but we know there's a big opportunity there. We have a, a bit of an issue with our product as well around around shipping. So um, you know our, our quality at store level is amazing. Yeah. But you know when the when the UPS and the FedEx driver sort of chucks it from his truck up onto the doorstep, yeah. uh, it does break our chip up a bit. So we've been trying to design different boxes and things like that to work through and we think we've found a solution so now really we're ready to sort of invest in amazon and that's been the other side i mean my experience has been you know retailers we talked about dealing with 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 those guys amazon is another whole thing again and so finding the right people that can help in that area that that are really specialized i mean there's a lot of talkers um certainly you know that that promise (laughs) lots of things but actually finding those that that know the what works and what doesn't work and how to grow up profitably and things like that, to be frank, has been a challenge as well. But we think we've got a few things in place and, and starting to put some resources behind it and, um, you know, starting to see some some good results already. That's fantastic. And I just find I find it fascinating that it's it, it's it's all exciting getting a new account, but it's, it's looking at the full end-to-end and, uh, as you just mentioned there, kind of great getting Amazon, but then you've got one big hurdle is to – how how does the postman handle your product and now you have to go back to the drawing board as a whole brand and uh, go right how do how do we get how do we get the product to the end consumer uh, as they would expect it definitely and I, for me a, a big saying i live live by is it's it's almost to some degree easy to get on shelf it's mm. it's the harder thing to make sure you get off again that that follow up yeah, getting picked up by true. the customer the getting the flow because you know, you can get on shelf, uh, but if you if the turns aren't there, if if your unit you know your units per store per work they meet the hurdle yep. rates, you're, you're out. You get 12 months, um, and so yeah, it almost needs to be the the key focus of, of what we talk about and our focus is okay. How do we how do we get off the shelf again? How do we get consumers picking us up and and that and and that really is especially in my industry, which is salty snacks and impulse yep. and and all of that low loyalty, highly promoted, a um, lot of impulse. How do we just constantly sort of stay in front of consumers' minds and, and mouths and things like that? So, yeah, it's all the unsexy side of, of launching a business yeah. and all that, but, but, but that's what moves the needle um, rather than chasing velocity and, and chasing gains through distribution and things. It actually needs to be, you know, do is our baseline growing, those sort of things like that. Fantastic. And you've got, you, you say you're growing at a great rate and there's new accounts and uh, – is there, is there anything along the way where you you kind of gone, oh, I would have loved to have done that differently? Or is there any 
learnings for the people that are listening or brands that are setting up whether it's in one country and uh, probably one country is good enough for some people to be honest uh, let alone two <laughs> like yourself um what what would be the key learnings that you've you've got from this journey i think probably um to be very here in the u.s we've, we've probably gone a bit wide we've probably gone and it, it's it, you can have these series when we first looked at the u.s market we thought you know if we could just get california there's more people in California than the whole of Australia. It's a wow. bigger economy. You know, we'll just get that and that'll double our business and, and that'll be fine type sort of thing. But yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not quite how, how it works. Um, and, and, you know, it's really hard when you've, you, you launch in California and Whole Foods and that and then you get another Whole Foods on the other side of the country with 300 stores ring up and say, hey, we really want your product. What do you do? Say, no, sorry, our plan yeah, is okay. just, to, just to do California. So – for the first year or two, we sort of were just trying to get, especially with us where we import our product, you know, we do need volumes and break-evens and things like that. So we did chase the volume a little bit. Um, and then what we found is we found we were really spread out. So yeah. if I've only got X amount of dollars to spend promoting my brand, um, if I've got to do it across 8,000 retailers instead of 4,000 retailers, it's it's half of efficient, um, half yeah, as okay. effective, should I say, to some degree. Um, and so... That's probably been one thing that we're sort of just now reeling back a bit and really focusing on is, is how do we make sure that we, we win in the retailers that, that we're in rather than necessarily chasing opportunities. And, and that might be unique to the US a little bit where there are so many opportunities. It's almost a case of, uh, you know, what not to do over here yeah. as opposed to what to do. I know it's a little bit different in Australia where, you know, you dream of having that many different retailer opportunities. Um, but you know, just making sure that, that that we win in that area. So that's been that's been a big learning for us. Another learning is around um, NPD and and making sure that, that pipeline is is filled. You know, when it's a good thing to be the only canister chip in in, in the store. It's yeah. also a bad thing. You know, when we're the only, we've got two facings on a whole aisle of bag chips. You know, we get really lost. We we you know we don't know where to be merchandise. There's not really yeah, a okay. category for us. So. You know, we've really now upped our game on that and, and trying to build out and, and win that whole shelf in store. And we've seen when we can do that, you know, we're seeing four or five times lift in our sales just purely from being more visible and, and more presentable than just being one or two SKUs on the shelf. So, yeah, there's there's lots of little learnings in there that we're sort of working through. But, um, you know, overall, it's been a really good experience. That's fantastic. And then you, you just touched on my next question to kind of say, yeah, what, what does the future look like for the Good Chris Company? Is it like honing on the stuff you've learned and kind of stabilise yourself there or is it to, to grow into new areas? So we think it's really about, I mean, you know, we could branch out, we could take the Good Chris, you know, as a platform brand and start doing other snacks. But to be honest, the world's got enough puffed products and enough quinoa, and we, we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> we, we we have a point of difference here in, in our form and our canister, and so we think there's a, there's enough opportunity for us to just to just go deep in that, um, do meaningful innovation around flavors and, and form, and you know we're just about to launch a purple sweet potato and maybe ah, some cool. other functions as well, rather than just a, a normal potato. So look at building. Um, that out is, has really been a key for us. Um, we've also spent a lot of time here looking at our consumer, which is interesting enough that we've found that the canister chip consumer is a lot younger here in the US than, than oh, it is in Australia and, and the UK. So that then changes how we were thinking about MPD and things like that as well. So 
just really honing in and getting a real strong understanding of who buys us, who would buy us, and, and then how can we innovate to, to make their life easier. That's that's really interesting. And you, you say that there's two different consumers. Does that also transition into different consumers for flavors? So do you find that there's bigger seller flavors in Australia different to the sellers in the U.S.? A little bit so, but then because, you know, if I just look at the canister chip segment, there are only sort of four or five key flavours that they sell in the US here in Australia. It's all pretty much the same. But what we do find is when I look at like the flavour rankings in potato chips, you know, uh, across the board here in the US, it's things like, um, you know, it'd be original, then it would be barbecue, it would be then some, you know, like a spicy flavour. Okay, yeah. You know, maybe like a salt and vinegar or something like that. When I look at, when I split it then by canister chips, it's actually original, sour cream, then like a cheddar cheese. Oh, okay. More of a, so the more childish flavours to some degree rise to the top. Um, you know, like an adult would choose a, you know, a more sophisticated barbecue over a cheddar cheese, but but that's not the case when we look at the canister chip. So, yeah, we do have to um, be guided a little bit by the market, but then also specifically our category as well and who our customer is. Um, but we think there's opportunities to innovate and, and to stretch that consumer out there as well. So, um, I mean, it does – what it has meant is we've got different packaging here in the US to what we do in Australia where we use a more premium, sophisticated packaging, you know, up against Red Rock and things like that. Whilst here in the US, it's more fun and, and exciting and things like that because our consumer is a bit younger. So, yeah, we definitely do take it into mi- into mind when we're looking at developing product or how we present ourselves to our consumers. I think I think a lot of people listening to this podcast will take a lot of information from that. And, yeah, just by going down the different packaging and different flavors and who the consumer is, uh, is really important. And just to finish on that, if... If anyone wanted to buy your products, uh, whether it's in Australia or the US, if anyone in the US is listening, um, or wanted to get in contact with you about looking at your product, where's the best way to contact yourself and see the product? Yeah, well, you're, you're welcome to contact me. Uh, link, LinkedIn is probably the easiest. Uh, Matt Parry there on, on LinkedIn of The Good Chris Perfect. Company. Um, our, our website is thegoodchriscompany.com.au for Australia and then thegoodchriscompany.com for the US. Um, yeah, really happy to, to talk about it and you know, to talk about the opportunities here in, in the US. There certainly are a lot for Australian brands, but I think I mean, one thing we learned as well looking over here is it's, it's great to be a big brand in Australia or, you know, we've got lots of customers in Australia, but it doesn't always transfer over. And, and, you know, we spent two, three years doing a lot of research and making sure that actually there was a demand for our product or, or our idea over <laughs> here because there are differences. And and same as you would do it in Australia, you would try and find the demand, you would look at the opportunity, you would do those things. You have to do the same again. Even if you're a successful brand or what yeah. have you in Australia, you still need to go back to almost ground zero again and, and re-look at it all um, because they don't always transfer over. So that's probably my biggest sort of learning we've seen from, from other brands and from ourselves looking at other markets is – yeah, actually going back and, and doing that stuff you did from day one of is there really a demand for my product or what do I, how do I have to position it? What do I have to do to, to make it fit the market? That, that, that is really interesting. And that, that, that last section there is just, it's just mind blowing to kind of go, yeah, you, you had to start from ground zero all over again, do the full market review and insight. So absolutely take, take my hat off to you, Matt. And I, uh, 
it's uh i just look forward to seeing where the brand goes um and i look forward to as always seeing you on linkedin and hearing kind of the different retailers and outlets that are taking on your product and uh I wish you all the success in the world and thank you very much for your time and telling me and the people listening your story. My, my absolute pleasure. Actually, while I think about it, Ben, one more plug, and this is yes. for you as well. Last year, we, we got a, had a bit of a get-together at Expo West in Anaheim in March of all the Australian brands and, and even just the, the Aussies that were coming over, having a look yes. around. So if, if you are coming to Expo, and I thoroughly recommend it, even yourself, Ben, reach out to me and, and we'll coordinate another get-together. We had about 10, 15 Aussies there. So I would love to do it again for next year as well for anyone that's interested in, in coming over and, and taking a look at the expo. Amazing, amazing. Great event and, yeah, top bloke. And uh, have a well, have a great uh, rest of your afternoon in, in the beautiful sunshine. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Take care. Thank you.